The Orioles certainly have a list of off-season additions they need to make, but something new is now at the top of that list, and that is a new pitching coach at the Major League level. We'll talk about who that could be and answer some other questions coming up on this mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, October 30th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening up the mailbag once again. It's another Mailbag Monday pod, as we'll be doing throughout the offseason here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. And I've got five questions, all from you, the listeners, to answer here on today's pod. We'll talk about who could fill the Orioles pitching coach opening with Chris Holt being reassigned, what the Orioles will do long-term at shortstop between Gunner and Jackson Holiday. The possibility of the Orioles losing more front office members to other teams and much more coming up on this mailbag episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started today. So we'll jump in to the mailbag here today and just a reminder to stick around until the end of the episode today when we will be revealing the winner of the Orioles Hawaiian shirt doing the giveaway here on the pod last week to celebrate surpassing 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. Of course, make sure if you haven't already, like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. There'll be further giveaways once we get to 6,000 subscribers, but we'll be announcing the winner of the Hawaiian shirt at the end of today's episode. But we'll jump into the mailbag here. Five questions to get to, five really good questions, all from you, the listeners. Again, if you submitted a question for the mailbag and it wasn't answered, or if you'd like to submit further questions, going to be a doing mailbag Mondays throughout the offseason, email us, lockedonorioles at gmail.com. Leave a mailbag question in the YouTube comments right here or tweet at me, at LockedOnOrioles. First question of the day comes from Darius via email, who asks, who will be the Orioles' next pitching coach? And... It's a pretty topical question because really the biggest piece of Orioles news from last week that I didn't get to on the podcast last week is that the Orioles made a couple of changes to their major league coaching staff heading into 2024. And it's really on the pitching coach side. Now, I don't see these moves as any sort of indictment on the Orioles pitching this year. They're pitching their pitchers itself. They outperformed what they probably should have done here in 2023. But the two big moves were Chris Holt is no longer the pitching coach. Now, Chris Holt is remaining in the organization and he will stay and be the director of pitching, which was a role he kind of was holding while he was the major league pitching coach, but was doing less of that. It was obviously the on-field day-to-day pitching coach at the major league level. Now, when the Orioles brought Holt in in 2019, This was kind of closer to his role when they first brought him in in 19 and 20. He was overseeing all of minor league pitching development. That was his job. Then in 2021, they promoted him to big league pitching coach. He held that role for three years. And I think just what Holt did in Houston when he was with the Astros was a very similar role to the director of pitching, overseeing all the minor league pitching, did it when he first got here. I think it made sense to put him in the big league, see how he did. But I think the role that is best suited for Chris Holt is this director of pitching role. So again, 
He stays in the org. He's now going to oversee all pitching. And the thing is, he will still have his hands on the major league pitching. It's not just going to be he's overseeing all the minor leagues. He's going to oversee the big leaguers as well. You'll probably see him in the dugout sometimes throughout the 2024 season and beyond. But he'll more so get to rove between the minor league levels, kind of be the number one person when it comes to pitching development. I think that is the role that's best suited for him. But it does, of course, leave an opening and a big opening on the coaching staff, your major league pitching coach. And one guy that could have been in the running for that is the Orioles' assistant pitching coach from this year, Darren Holmes, who has been with the organization since 2020 when they hired him away from the Rockies, started as the bullpen coach, went up to the assistant pitching coach. But Darren Holmes is going to be the only guy from the 2023 Major League coaching staff who is not coming back. The Orioles will not retain Holmes. He's going to look for other opportunities, potentially try to look to get a number one pitching coach job elsewhere in the big leagues, but Holmes will not come back. Now, I'd heard a lot of great things about Darren Holmes and the Orioles. You just kind of never know, at least at this point, why he will not be with Baltimore in 2024. But that does leave another opening if the Orioles would like to have a similar assistant pitching coach role. Now, the question is, okay, who fills these roles for the Orioles? Well, when... They had the hitting coach openings a couple of years ago, if you remember. They filled it with two co-hitting coaches, and they brought both of those guys from the minor league level. They brought Ryan Fuller up from the minors, where he had been in the Orioles system for a while, and they brought in Matt Borg-Schulte, who had been the AAA hitting coach for the Minnesota Twins, and they brought the two of those guys in to be co-hitting coaches. And then this year, they brought in basically a hitting coordinator, that was Cody Ashey, former big leaguer who had been doing great things in other minor league systems as a coach. They brought him into the dugout to help out as well. So the Orioles are certainly not against bringing guys up from their own system or bringing outside kind of younger, newer guys into these positions. Now, the number one candidate for this spot would probably be Justin Ramsey. Served the last couple of years as the Norfolk Tides pitching coach, the AAA affiliate for the Orioles. And Ramsey really threw and through. He's been with this organization since Elias came over, since the rebuild started, has worked his way up the minor league system as pitching coaches. He also oversees all upper level minor league pitching. So although he's the AAA pitching coach, also does a lot of help with the AA buoy pitchers as well. Basically all the top pitching prospects, they work with Justin Ramsey. And a lot of these pitching prospects have a lot of great things to say about Ramsey. And he's done such good work, he seems to be in line for some sort of role on the big league staff. Now, the question would become for Justin Ramsey, would he be elevated to maybe that assistant pitching coach role? Or would the Orioles kind of take a leap and elevate him immediately to their major league pitching coach? I could see them doing either. The Orioles' current major league pitchers, a lot of them came through the minor league system. They're very familiar with Justin Ramsey, which certainly helps. But I don't know if they would take him right to big league pitching coach. Now, another guy who would be in this mix is Ryan Klimek. He was the pitching strategy coach this year for the Orioles. He's been with the organization since 2017, started in a very, very low-level role, was retained by Elias, worked his way up, and he's been basically like the analytics and data guy for the pitching staff in the dugout this year in 2023. Another guy who I don't see maybe being elevated right to big league pitching coach, but another guy who I could see maybe getting the assistant job. And there is a possibility here where Justin Ramsey is the big league pitching coach and Ryan Klimek gets promoted to the assistant pitching coach in that big league dugout. But the other thing that could happen is if they don't want to go, you know, fully young guys in those roles and bring in someone else who's a little more of a veteran pitching coach, what my prediction is right now is that Ryan Klimek stays in his role. 
Justin Ramsey is added to the big league staff as the assistant pitching coach, Darren Holmes' former role, and the Orioles go outside the org for their new pitching coach. Now, when you're trying to answer this question, the first guys you're going to go to are, okay, who were the pitching coaches in Houston when Mike Elias was there and the team was winning and they were winning championships before he came to Baltimore? Well, the answer from 2014 to 2021 was Brent Strom who was the pitching coach there for a long time. And then after the 2021 season, after the Astros lost that World Series to the Braves, Houston just kind of let Strom walk. And some of the reason was he was 73 years old and they felt like they wanted to go, it seemed like, with younger talent. And they did. And the Astros pitchers have still been good. You know, they won the World Series last year. They got to the ALCS this year. Like, they're still a good team. They let Strom walk. Brent Strom then was hired by the Diamondbacks as their pitching coach. And at age 75, Brent Strom and the Diamondbacks are in the World Series, of course, tied up one-to-one with the Rangers right now heading into Game 3 tonight. So Strom is certainly an option, but I don't know. Will the Orioles go after, if they're making a change here, would they go after Brent Strom? Would Strom want to leave? I mean, at worst, he's on a team that just won the pennant, and potentially he could be a World Series winning pitching coach with the D-backs this year. Would he want to leave that job if he wants to continue coaching? Now, the other names I would look at actually do involve the Astros. And really, if you're looking for connections with Elias and others, these could be the guys. My two options would be the two pitching coaches for the Houston Astros right now. They are Josh Miller and Bill Murphy. Both of those guys were in the Astros minor league system as pitching coaches and pitching coordinators for most of the time that Elias and Sigma Dell and Eve Rosenbaum were there in the front office. Since those people have left, of course, I mentioned Strom left as well, and they promoted Miller and Murphy to those big league pitching coach roles. I could see the Orioles trying to hire one of them away to be their big league pitching coach. And I think you'd feel solid if the O's took the Astros pitching coach to be theirs moving into next year and beyond. They've got all the connections with the Orioles front office staff. I think Miller or Murphy are certainly names to watch here for this opening. We got four more questions to get to here on a mailbag episode. Coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about what does the Orioles shortstop position look like in the future? Gunner or Jackson Holiday or a mix of both? Plus, we'll talk about the 2024 infield as a whole, what I think it should look like, and then what I think it actually will look like on opening day of next year. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now listen, you've heard me talk about FanDuel a lot. It's the NFL season, and you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks just if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app, it's so easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Every NFL Sunday, get out to FanDuel. They've got all the lines you want, deeper bets, live bets. You can do it all at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
So we're back here on a Mailbag Monday episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. Four more questions from you, the listeners, to get to today. And this next question comes from Cody on Twitter, who asks, who is the Orioles' long-term shortstop? And kind of puts in the question, or essentially alludes to this. Is it Gunnar Henderson? Is it Jackson Holiday? That is really the main question here. I don't think Jordan Westberg or Jorge Mateo or probably Joey Ortiz is who the Orioles see there long term. I mean, Ortiz, maybe you could put into this conversation, but I feel like the argument here is between Gunner and Jackson Holiday. And I talked about this a bit actually back on Friday's episode. Paul Valley of the Bat Around joined us to review Gunner Henderson's incredible 2023 season. Make sure to go back and check out that episode if you haven't listened to it already. But we had a little bit of this conversation. And I talked a little bit about it on Twitter over the weekend. I just think that as good as Jackson Holiday is, number one prospect in baseball, got himself up to AAA at the end of this season, should be knocking on the big league door and should be in the big leagues at some point with the Orioles in 2024. Despite all that, I don't think anyone should be moving Gunnar Henderson off shortstop right now. Now, it is nice, right, that Gunnar has the versatility, that we've seen him play third base and play a good third base. He played a lot of third this year for the Orioles as well, and he will continue to play third in the future. Even if shortstop is still his main position, he will still play some third base moving forward in his career because that versatility, Mike Elias loves it, Brandon Hyde loves it, just to be able to move not just your utility guys around, but to be able to move your star players around too. But I think if you're looking at the main shortstop for the Orioles, it's got to be Gunnar Henderson. We know how good he's going to be. We know he's going to win AL Rookie of the Year. We know he's going to be an MVP candidate, hopefully every single season moving forward. You add it to the fact that he had 10 defensive runs saved at shortstop this year, and that is not playing full-time at shortstop. He played a lot of third base, especially early in the year when Jorge Mateo was red hot and was at short every single day. Like, Henderson was incredible defensively short. He had a little bit of issues early in the year with the accuracy of his throwing arm, but he got that under control midway through the season, and then he was fantastic at short when he was there through the rest of the year. Now, if Jorge Mateo is still here, if Joey Ortiz gets a shot or whatever it may be, you know, you might still see some Gunnar Henderson at third early next season, even if Jackson Holiday is still down in AAA Norfolk to start the year. But at some point, Holiday is going to be in the big leagues next season. And even when that happens, yes, he will play some shortstop. Like, they're not just going to take him off the position. But I think long-term for the Orioles, the solution is Gunnar Henderson at shortstop and Jackson Holiday at second. Holiday is a good shortstop. Don't get me wrong. He is not as good a defensive shortstop as Gunnar Henderson. His arm isn't as good, and I just don't think he's as well-rounded at short. And Holiday, who played over 200 innings at second base in the minors this year. Now, don't get me wrong, played almost 1,000 innings at shortstop, played about 215 at second, and he played 18 innings at third base in all of minor league baseball for Jackson Holiday in 2023. But that's enough time at second base to get more and more used to that position. And I think it's because he's going to play second at the big leagues. And I'll get to this in our next question. I kind of... At this point, I kind of don't think Holiday starts the year in the bigs. I think they're going to put him in AAA to start the year. And I think what we'll see in those first few weeks in AAA until the Orioles, you know, mess with his service time and then bring him to the big leagues, I think what we'll see is him playing a lot of second base for the Tides early next season before he comes to the big leagues to make sure he's comfortable with that position because they know they have Gunner there and they might even have Joey Ortiz still in the mix. I think Holiday fits best into second base, and I think that's where he'll be long-term. Next question comes from Milo on Twitter, who asks, what is the ideal 2024 opening day infield versus what is the most likely 
opening day infield in 2024 for the Orioles. So here's my ideal infield. And some of you might not even be considering an outside piece of help for the infield. But why not if you can make it better, right? Ideal opening day infield. Ryan Mountcastle at first. Jackson Holiday at second. Gunnar Henderson at short. And signing Matt Chapman to play third base. It's a move that is absolutely not going to happen. But would it make the Orioles better? Yes, it would. And then you would still have Jordan Westberg in the mix, kind of roving around at these different infield positions, and you would have a crazy strong infield if that was your group on opening day. Now, you asked for my ideal one, so I gave it to you in terms of guys who are available. That's certainly not going to be the infield. In terms of what I actually think is going to happen, my prediction for the infield is Ryan Mountcastle at first base, Jordan Westberg at second, Gunnar Henderson at short, and Ramon Arias at third. I just think the Orioles really won't add to the infield. I think they'll keep Westberg and Arias around, and I think Holiday will start the year still in AAA for, you know, six weeks or whatever before they bring him up next season, and they'll say, oh, it's because we wanted to play more second base, whatever. I think that's the more realistic infield for the Orioles next season. And yeah, could Joey Ortiz still be in that mix or others potentially, but that's kind of not how I see it going. I see Ortiz actually starting the year in AAA again as well. We got two more questions, though, to get to here on a mailbag episode. Coming up next, we'll talk a bit about possible extensions. If you could convince John Angelos to give out a bunch of extensions, who would you give them to? And then we'll talk about the Orioles potentially losing some more front office people as they continue to have success moving forward. So we're back here on a Mailbag Monday episode of the podcast. Two more questions to get to to finish off the pod here today. And our question number four of the day comes from Jonah on Twitter, who asks, Okay, Connor, you can somehow convince John Angelos to extend four players currently on the roster. And these are the four lengths of contracts you are allowed to give out. Ten years, seven years, five years, and four years. Who are you choosing for each of those contracts and why? I kind of like this. This is a pretty good hypothetical question from Jonah. Really liked answering this one. Now, here's how I answered it, right? So there's one way to answer this where you say, oh, you just take your best four players who are young and you want to extend, you put them on here. I looked at it a little differently. To me, the way I'm going to answer this question is the extension would start tomorrow. So essentially the first year of the number of years on this extension would be 2024. So... I'll give you my first answer. For the 10-year extension, I think everyone would say this, it's Gunnar Henderson. I want a 10-year extension for Gunnar Henderson right now. Now, that's not to say 10 years after he becomes a free agent. It's 10 years from now. So I believe Gunnar Henderson has, what, five, five more seasons before he hits free agency? So for Henderson, what that would give us is five more years of Henderson, and then the next five years after he would become a free agent, Henderson would be in an Orioles uniform. I would take that any day of the week. Seven-year extension, I'm going to give to Adley Rutschman. I think this is a pretty easy one-two answer right here. And again, Adley, who has, I believe now, four more years under contract for the Orioles, it would give him an extra three on the end of that as well to be the O's starting catcher. But then when you get to five and four, this is kind of where it gets interesting because my next thought would have been, okay, like Kyle Bradish is my next answer, and then Grayson Rodriguez is my next answer. But if we're playing the game like I chose to play it, which is five years from now, four years from now, neither Bradish nor Rodriguez will even be free agents yet and be off their rookie deals five and four years from now. So I wouldn't want to use them there. I want to use them for guys who are hitting free agency 
much, much sooner, I would think. So for me, the five-year extension is going to go to Cedric Mullins. Mullins is under contract for two more years, 2024 and 2025. And so this would sign Cedric Mullins through the 2028 season. It would give him three additional years in an Orioles uniform. I think that would allow you to still have him throughout some of his peak. And although there's a lot of chatter sometimes, this is like a a thing that people talk about that's not actually true. A lot of chatter that speedy guys don't age well and that when they lose their speed, sometimes it makes them less valuable. Actually, all the research points to speedy guys aging better. Because what happens is they start from such a higher point of foot speed that even when they do start to lose it a little bit, they are still at a good level of speed when they get into their early to mid-30s. And as long as they can still swing the bat well, which I know Cedric Mullins had a down year, but I think a lot of that was because of the groin injuries this season, I think he's still going to be a productive player for the next five years. I don't think Cedric Mullins is a leadoff hitter, maybe, long-term with the O's. But if you've got Cedric Mullins playing center field, hitting 8th or ninth every day for the next five years, I feel really, really good about the Orioles lineup. That's a five-year extension I would do. And then the four-year extension was interesting because I looked at who I had given it to so far, Gunner, Adley, Cedric, and I hadn't given it to any pitchers yet. And so my next thought was, well, would you give it to John Means because he's the closest to hitting free agency? Would you think about essentially being able to lock him up for a couple more years after he hits free agency. And I thought, yes, but then I was like, we don't really have our answer yet on what will John means be post Tommy John surgery. We saw four starts. He was pretty good down the stretch, but he wasn't really striking a lot of people out and missing bats. And then he had the elbow soreness and couldn't pitch in the postseason. Really. We're going to find out the most in 2024 from John means. And then he will be a free agent after 2025. So if I gave it to Means, we'd get two extra years. And I really thought about it. But instead, I'm going to give it to Anthony Santander, the four-year extension. Now, Santander is due to be a free agent after next season. So the four-year extension would give him three more years with the Orioles and would have him signed through 2027. Now, I don't think in that case, the Orioles would re-sign him again after that. But getting Santander still in the late 20s, early 30s through 2027, when he is still a very productive middle of the order switch hitting power bat for the Orioles, that is a really, really important player to this team. I've talked about how I don't think the Orioles should trade Santander this offseason. I don't want them to. But I especially think if you could get him to a four-year extension right now that took up 2024 and then the three seasons after that, I think that would be a really, really good decision for the O's. So that's where I'm giving out those potential four extensions. Good question, Jonah. It would be nice if I could control John Angelos and make him do that. Don't think it's going to happen, but if I had the power, that's what I would do. Now, the final mailbag question to get to today comes from Jessica via email who asks, could the Orioles start losing front office people to other teams now that they're having success? It's a good question, and I talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week. Brad Selick, who was the Orioles' kind of director of draft operations, remember he left to take kind of a higher-up scouting role with the Washington Nationals front office. It was basically a promotion, probably a pay bump, and he gets more power in that Nats front office. And also, probably a little bit of a closer track to being like an assistant GM or a GM with the Nats than you would have with the Orioles right now. Because there's still some question marks with Mike Rizzo and others in that Nats front office, whereas the Orioles' top of the front office 
pretty set in stone at this point. So I 100% understand why Brad Selig took that role. Orioles made a lot of internal promotions last week in the front office, including Matt Blood being kind of elevated to take on most of Selig's former responsibilities, including overseeing the draft. So that is how the Orioles went about filling that position. But it got the question going, like, will this continue for the O's? And I talked about it briefly when I mentioned Selig leaving. But this is a good question because there was more news that came out on that front late last week, and it had to go with, had to do with Sig Dell. Now, the Red Sox were looking for a new GM slash president of baseball operations slash whatever you want to call that position. Heim Bloom is out. They fired him at the end of last year. And the Red Sox had a really weird search because they were looking for some candidates. They had a lot of candidates turn down their interviews, and eventually they settled on Craig Breslow, former big league reliever who was with the Red Sox for years, has been working his way up in you know other front offices and now gets his first number one role back with his one of his former teams the Red Sox but we found out according to a report from Sean McAdam of MassLive.com which is a, a big news site that covers all things Boston and Massachusetts including the Red Sox and Boston sports and McAdam wrote that the Red Sox had reached out to a lot of candidates some who declined some who they interviewed and didn't hire but he also mentioned Sigma Dell in there. And he said that the Red Sox reached out to the Orioles asking permission to interview Sigma Dell for their opening in the president of baseball operations slash GM position. And what most teams do when another team reaches out to someone who's not your GM. Now, this is different, right? If a team reaches out to you to talk to your number one guy, whether it be your current manager or your current GM or your current president of baseball operations, you will see teams sometimes deny them the opportunity to talk to their people because you're like, well, we don't want to lose our number one guy. But generally, if they're asking to talk to anyone who's below number one in the hierarchy, teams will generally across the board allow you to interview that person. But McAdam reported that the Orioles denied the Red Sox request to even interview Sigma Dell for that position. And there's a lot of layers to this. Obviously, the Orioles love Sigma Dell. Mike Elias loves working with him, loves having him in the front office. And also, there's been speculation in the past from people around Mydell that feel like he doesn't really want that number one job in a front office. Some of it's because just like he'd rather be the behind the scenes numbers guy, isn't as comfortable being like the front facing person for an organization, you know, talking to the media as much, explaining things as much. It just feels like he's not as comfortable with that part of the job. But even so, if he feels that way, he could, like other candidates, just decline the interview when the Red Sox reached out. Instead, the reporting is that the Orioles said, no, you can't even talk to him. And I saw a lot of people being like, yeah, great move by the O's, like, haha, Red Sox. This, this is not a good thing that the Orioles did. Okay, first of all, this is a, a pretty anti-labor decision to not let your people interview for better, higher-paying jobs elsewhere just because you want to keep them and pay them less than potentially they might be worth. But also, this can't be good for inner front office morale right here. Like if you are, say, Eve Rosenbaum, if you are Matt Blood, if you are someone else, if you're Kobe Perez, who also got a promotion last week, if you're someone who's high up in this organization, along with Sigma Dell, who's not number one, right? You're below Mike Elias, but you still hold a pretty big role in a successful front office. And you're thinking about, hey, maybe one day I do get into that GM job with either this team or another team. It can't feel good to have or to know that if another organization reaches out to the Orioles and says, hey, can we interview Eve Rosenbaum? Hey, can we interview Matt Blood? Hey, can we interview Sigma Dell? They will say no. 
that stunts your personal growth as a professional in this field. And I get that it's great that Sigmeidel has helped out the O's and that he will stay in Baltimore in the front office as Michael Elias is number two. And I understand that maybe with Meidel, it's a specific situation because he doesn't seem as interested in those number one jobs. But it doesn't set a good precedent and it could lead to others Orioles front, front office staffers leaving on their own to go look for other jobs because they're worried if another team does come calling while they're working for the Orioles, the O's won't let them interview for that job. So I get, you know, the yes, we're keeping him in the or keeping Sigma Dell. But if you think about the ramifications of this, it's really not good business. It's par for the course for an organization run by John Angelos, but it's not really how you want to operate in any kind of business scenario, including a baseball front office. But that'll do it pretty much for today's episode for the mailbag. Thank you so much for all the questions. Again, send them in lockedonorioles at gmail.com. Put them in the YouTube comments. Tweet them at Locked on Orioles for future mailbag Mondays we'll be doing throughout the offseason. Got one more thing to get to here on the podcast. We got an Orioles Hawaiian shirt to give away. Did a giveaway last week on the podcast. Had to do two things to enter. One, you had to be subscribed to the Locked on Orioles podcast on YouTube. And two, you had to tell me in the YouTube comments of the videos last week, what was your favorite Orioles home run of the 2023 season and why? And our winner is congratulations to Ed Meschler, who commented and said his favorite home run was Heston Kerstad's 418-foot bomb on September 15th. Said it was his favorite because it broke up Zach Eflin's no-hitter. It was against the Rays in that big series. And it was his first big league hit and showed the Orioles best of all and showed us best of all, he said, that great things are coming from Heston Kerstad. So thank you, Ed Meschler, for the subscribe. Thank you for the comment. You have won the Orioles Hawaiian shirt. Make sure to email me at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com to claim your prize. But that'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Talking more about uh, some 2023 seasons, continuing that player review series here on the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about Austin Hayes and Colton Kowser as Zach Goodman from Press Box's Bat Around joins us on the pod tomorrow. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.